You're listening to The Sick Room Show, episode number 179. In this episode, I'm speaking to Mike Wardy about how to be more productive by using journaling. Welcome to The Sick Room Show. I'm your host, Sick Room, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Mike Wardy, who is a productivity strategist, speaker, and host of the Productivitist podcast. Mike has a different approach to productivity than most, and it's the reason why his work has been widely published and he's spoken at so many conferences, and now he is here on the show. To learn more about Mike Wardy, go to signal.com forward slash 179. I'm so excited to be here with Mike Wardy from the Productivitist. Uh, we met at Youpreneur Summit. I've had so many good podcast interviews uh, from that summit with people I either met there, masterminding, or were speaking on stage. And finally, Mike is here too. So thank you for being on the show, Mike. Thanks for having me. I mean, and we got to see each other again, like just a few months later in San Diego. So, you know, we've been seeing each other. I think we're now seeing each other on a bi-monthly basis, I think at this yes. point. <laughs> <laughs> well, we finally made it to this point doing this interview because I remember when we, you actually sat next to me and we were masterminding uh, the day after the Youpreneur Summit it was like an extra day. And I remember when you started to share what you do and I'm like, why haven't I heard of this guy? It's like, is somebody keeping him secret? Probably me. <laughs> yeah. Ah, okay. We're going to change that right now. So productivitist. I know you are thinking of some name changes, but they will come later. Uh, but I thought immediately like, wow, that's what my audience wants to hear. How can they be more productive? And before we dive into that, how come you're doing this? It's funny, I got started uh, working at Costco. I was a Costco manager for a good 12, worked my way up and worked for Costco for almost 12 years. So I, I started to learn how to manage my time more effectively there. I've always been kind of a creative though. So I found creative ways to, this is before there were apps and tools. And like I was using like a good old fashioned day planner and things like that because I was managing two different areas of, of, of the warehouse. I was managing the food service area, which is where people buy their hot dog and soda and then they leave the warehouse. But then I was also managing another area of the warehouse, which is more of a, of a manufacturing area where you're building like the, the meal replacements and stuff like that. So you had one area that's very reactive, you know, the food that where hot dogs and pop are being bought, you're not gonna cook a bunch of those in advance. Whereas the other area is more proactive. So I, I started doing that. And then ultimately, I, I kind of felt that I, I, the corporate environment, even though Costco is a fantastic company, just wasn't for me. And I slowly They're worked nice my- They're nice now. They are amazing. They are an amazing company. <laughs> yeah. But I think if you're anywhere for too long, you kind of eventually, unless you unless you have more control, I think you can kind of wear out your welcome uh, or just wear thin on you. So ultimately what happened was, as I left Costco, I started to look at productivity because I was trying to balance- my job at Costco, because it was now I was now part time with now I'm, you know, I was married and I had a daughter on the way. 
and then my daughter showed up. Uh, and then I was trying to do comedy and do creative stuff. So I was trying to balance all the stuff. I said, I need to really study productivity more. So I started studying like the Stephen Coveys and, and you know, all of the people, Tony Robbins, David Allen, all the people who were teaching time management, uh, Harold Taylor, all these people. And what I found was, is there was a no shortage of advice on productivity and time management, but it almost became that there was so much that it was becoming a problem in and of itself. You know, like you can look anywhere on the internet about how to be more productive and you could spend so much time doing that that you end up wondering where all your time went. So I, I decided to take my comedy stuff, which I was doing, and pair it up with this productivity stuff. And I did like a Stephen Colbert thing with it where I was, I created this site called, initially it was called Effing the Dog, which was a parody of getting things done. So I called it FTD, but it was the idea of, of doing things eventually, like procrastination. And, and it was my idea was to kind of say, look, like Stephen Colbert does, where he, when he was in character, it was, he was pretending to be a super right wing person to show in his mind how that was just not, how ridiculous, you know, some of that was. Whereas for me, I thought if I can be this productivity parody guy, this eventual productivity expert, then maybe I will show how ridiculous it is to spend all your time looking at life hacks and things like that. Well, what happened was, is by doing that, I got the attention of the David Allens and people like that. David Allen, uh, who, who is the founder of Getting Things Done, said, you know, his team said, do you want to write for our blog? But, you know, legitimately, like, be a serious writer for us because you make it entertaining and if, if anyone who follows comedy knows that if you're going to parody something, if you're going to satirize something, you really need to know it inside and out. You can't parody something you don't know well. And so ultimately what happened is I started to write for David Allen. And then I got to become the managing editor of Lifehack. So slowly but surely, I went from being this guy who was pretending to be a parody of a productivity expert to becoming the thing I was parodying. And um, the great thing about that is, I don't know if you know this, but there's not a lot of money in comedy unless you're willing to hit the road and, and travel. And I did stand up for a while and I did sketch and it was, it can be real taxing when you've got a family. Now I get to write about it. I get to present really interesting ways of looking at time management. I've got my own methodology called time crafting that I teach. I get to go on stage and speak about it and which I I was doing as a performer back when I was doing comedy. I get to do videos, podcasts. So I get the best of both worlds now and I get to help people in a way that I never really thought possible. So that's what I've been doing. And I would say that I went from an enthusiast to a specialist to now a strategist slash philosopher when it comes to productivity. And that's it's been 10 years now. And if someone said 10 years ago, hey, Mike, you know what? In 10 years, you're going to be on this, you know, going to be on the show talking about productivity and how you're a strategist. I'd be going, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm working at, there. no, I'm going to be a comedian or I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. So you never quite know where, where life's going to take you. And man, am I ever glad it took me here. Oh, I love your story because it, it also shows that if you're into something, if you find your own way and that you brought something together, you know, the comedy. Because if you had just done the normal route of like, oh, I'm going to teach you productivity, you would probably never got on people's radar. No, it, it wasn't, you know, I mean, the thing was, is that was my in. Is and, I, and time management is a very dry topic. Like it can be very, you know, it, there's not a lot of life in it. And back when I started, there wasn't. I'm glad I started when I did too, because if you're trying to get into it now, there's so much more like Fast Company and Quartz and all those weren't Inc. and Business Insider. They weren't writing about productivity to the degree that they are now. Really, all you had was like Lifehacker 
and a few other blogs that were talking about it, but no one was really spending a lot of time discussing things like the Pomodoro technique or, and there were no apps or there were very few of them. And, and now, you know, we, we're in this era of, uh, which is both a blessing and a curse of like, let's talk about productivity and how to be more productive. I think my job in this space and what I like to do is I like to kind of help people I kind of like to shock the system a little bit and say, you know, like instead of thinking about things in a traditional way, like, you know, going down your to-do list and doing it sequentially, what if you think about it this way? Or I incorporate things like journaling into productivity, which people are like, what What do you mean? Uh, journaling? Like, why is that part of the equation? Or I talk about like listening to your energy, like understanding your body clock and your energy levels and things like that, which sometimes it doesn't come into play. And and for me, productivity isn't about efficiency and effectiveness first and foremost, because if you're efficient at the wrong things, you're not productive. And if you're effective at the wrong things, you're not productive. For me, productivity is about intention plus attention. So for me, when I decided that I was going to start doing this comedic take on it, I said, how do I get my passion of comedy out there in a way that people are going to see me and that I'm going to have fun with it. So what's my intention? And then how am I going to pay attention to it? And I think it all started there. And now I've got, like I said, I've got this philosophy and this methodology that I teach that because it's it's simple and it's durable and it's flexible, people are gravitating towards no matter what, really what they do, whether they're, and we talked about this at the, the Upreneur Summit, which was, Mike, who's your avatar? And I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, who is your, av- I mean, I've, I've figured it out who, where, where, each of, where each of that lies. I mean, I've spent more time doing that. But the thing about time management is that everybody needs it. Every, I mean, time is one of those things we all have. Right. So it's just the more I talk about it and you can hear it in my voice, I'm sure, even though and it's 7 a.m. right now where I am, I'm a night owl. So for me to be up and being this passionate about it, it shows that I've kind of chosen the right path. And you're right. It was definitely not the the path that I was planning to go down in any way, shape or form. So everybody has the same amount of time, but somehow some people seem to be able to use that time a lot better than others. What do you think is the problem? Is the problem that they do not have an intention? I think the pro- there's a few problems, but the biggest one, which again, it's kind of like a shock to the system, is that we don't slow down enough. So we don't slow down to figure out what we should actually really be doing. Or we don't put in place a framework that allows us to not have to slow down as much to figure out if we are doing what we should be doing. So for example... I talk about working, using theming your time, like giving each of your days an overarching focus. So when I wake up in the morning, like when I woke up this morning, I didn't say, what am I going to do today? I mean, I looked at my calendar. You and I are talking now. I have a few other appointments today. But outside of those appointments, I'm not going to ask the question, well, now what do I do? Instead, the question is, what day is it? Because that's an easier question to answer. Wednesday. Today is Wednesday where I am. Okay, great. What does Wednesday mean? What did I decide that Wednesday meant? Oh, Wednesday is the day I work on audio stuff. So now instead of looking at this massive to-do list, which if you're an entrepreneur or if you're, I mean, anybody, really, your list is massive. But what this does is it allows you, when you define your day, it allows you to funnel your focus. So now instead of me looking at the 386 things that I could be doing, now I'm looking at maybe 38, 
right? And then from that vantage point, I can say, okay, so now there's 38 tasks to look at. Now I now all of a sudden I'm not as torn as to what I should be doing. And then if I'm still kind of in this frame of, okay, well, what of these 38 things should I do? My brain then goes, okay, well, what's this, what's your, what's your theme for this month? Oh, this month's theme is for this month, I've called it tightening. It's about like closing up loose ends and things like that. So there might be some tasks that I've tagged with the word tightening. So all of a sudden now it's not 38 audio tasks. Now it's maybe 12. So all of a sudden my brain isn't going, okay, look at everything I have to do. Cause that's what most people do. They say, oh my God, look at all my things. I'm just going to check off as many boxes as possible because if I get rid of as many boxes, then I've been productive. But if you're checking off boxes that don't matter, then you're not, or that you don't even really need to be checking off. Maybe somebody else could be doing it for you. Uh, then you're not really moving forward, like you said, with intention. And the only way that you can figure out what your intentions are and then pay attention to them is to actually take a deep breath, slow down and don't get caught up in things. Because when, we, when we're constantly going, 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 we sometimes can go off in a direction that we never intended to go down. And, and attention requires focus. And to focus on something, you need to, believe it or not, slow down, right? So I think a lot of people, when they hear me say something like that, they're like, yeah, but doesn't productivity have to do with doing things faster? No, not at first, definitely not at first. You want to build habits and routines in place and have a framework, not not an app. An app will only take you so far. You know, if you are a, a world-class golfer, you could have the worst clubs and do way better than me as a terrible golfer with the best clubs. Why? Because I'm not a craftsman when it comes to golf. That's not what I do. So, you know, it's the same thing with time. Um, that's why when people say, oh, well, you have Beyonce has the same amount of time in the day as you do. How does Beyonce use her time? Well, she has the ability to slow down in a lot of cases because fortune has smiled nicely on her and she's worked to that level too. But there's no reason why in your own situation, you can't slow down as well. It, you don't have to slow down consistently. Again, you could take breaks. It's that adage of, you've heard that phrase where people about meditation, where if someone says, uh, you know, I don't have 20 minutes to meditate, well then meditate for an hour. I don't have an hour to meditate, well then you should meditate for two hours. You know, it's like that adage of the more frenetic you are, the more you need to actually slow down, take a look at what you really have going on, and then, you know, make informed decisions, make intentional choices as to where you're going to direct your attention so that you're actually moving in the direction that you want to, as opposed to moving in a direction that you wonder how you got there, you know, either tomorrow, the next day or worse, a month from now. And then you're like, what happened? Oh, I like that. So actually, today is my podcast day. I'm recording six podcasts, two solo, two on-air coaching and two interviews, and I'm doing Luckily, I'm doing exactly what you said with the theme overall in the, this month and probably into next month as well. We are tightening backend systems and things like that. But still, yeah, what do you say to someone who feels like there's just not enough hours, starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe stressed about the whole thing? And I can understand the slowing down, but what in the slowing down moment, you have to take things off your plate? You have to figure out to outsource, like how do you find the calmness to actually start to take action on the important stuff? I think a lot of people want to do things right away. It's funny when I, when I talk to people about theming their days, they want to start like tomorrow. And I said, you can't, it's like you've been operating at this level for so long. And then all of a sudden I say, Hey, theme your days. 
or theme one day and they're like, oh, I can't, I just can't. I'm like, well, don't let's look at when I work with clients, I say, let's look three weeks from now. And they're like, well, well, can't we start tomorrow? I'm like, you can't do this tomorrow because your schedule has already been littered with things that may not normally show up. We need to look three to four weeks down the road so we could say, oh, look, on Fridays, you have regular meetings scheduled. Okay, that's a certainty. So what you want to do is work backwards from your certainties and then you start to figure out, okay, maybe Sunday is the best day for me to plan because there's no one bothering me on a Sunday. I know that if I don't email people on a Sunday, there's no one expecting it because the social mores still allow me not to respond to emails on a Sunday. It's about forecasting. It's about looking further ahead. So when people say, I don't have time, they're not wrong. They don't have time in that moment because they can't see any other way out. You know, But when you look a little bit further down the road and you get an accurate description or an accurate understanding of an awareness of what your landscape really looks like, I mean, you chose Wednesday as your podcast day, probably because of the way your schedule looks during the rest of the week. I chose it because I know on Wednesdays, and I have two kids, that they will never be out of school on a Wednesday. No holidays fall on a Wednesday. So if I want to make sure that I never have to cancel or rarely have to cancel a podcast episode or an interview, and if I want to make sure that I can deliver without having to hear, telling the kids to be quiet in the other room, then Really, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday made the most sense because Monday and Fridays could be school holidays. So I already knew I had three choices. Then I had the freedom to pick one of those three days. And I guess the other thing, Sigrun, is that you don't have to theme every single day either. Most people are already doing this, by the way. Like you said, you're already doing this. Like some people, when, they, when and I love doing like classic pattern breaking where I'll say, well, they'll say, oh, I can't theme my days or I can't theme my time. And I say, okay, well... When do you do your laundry? And they're like, oh, normally on Saturdays or Sundays. I'm like, well, which day do you do? Well, normally Saturdays. I'm like, well, what else do you do? Well, I normally run errands on Saturdays or I clean the house. I'm like, so what you're saying is on Saturdays, you do a lot of household stuff. Yeah, yeah. So really, Saturday's kind of like your household day. And I, yeah, I did. and then they stop. They go, oh, I'm like, yeah, you're doing it. Like some people are already, do- it's the same thing with, with journaling. When people say, oh, I can't journal. I throw two things out at them. I go, there's a journal called the five minute journal. If you can't take five minutes out of your day to journal, then we already know that there's a problem. And then secondly, I ask them, are you on Facebook? And they're, invariably everybody's hands go up and I say, okay, so if you're, jur- you realize Facebook is a journal. I said, now you're journaling just for the whole world. So what if you took some of that time, even quote five minutes of that time and put it towards your own, your own personal journal where you knew no one else would see it? I go, first off, you'd have this nice little story of, of where you're at and in your life. But then secondly, maybe some of the things you put on Facebook or others put on Facebook wouldn't show up there and it would make Facebook maybe a little bit of a nicer place to hang out. There wouldn't be as much vitriol or things like that. I think confirmation bias shows up a lot for people where they believe like this is the way it is and this is the way it always will be. And it's because they either think so far ahead, they think so far in the past or they think right in the moment. And what I try to say is, look, let's just look a little bit further down the road. Let's not look at the New Year's resolution stuff because New Year's resolutions to carry something for 365 days a year, I think is idiocy. I think it's better to pick smaller things like 12 months and theme every month and do something like focus your energy or like you've done two months. You could do that too. It doesn't mean you have to have a single theme forever, like one theme per month. You could say, hey, this is going to take two months. I'm going to theme these months back to back like that. But I think the problem is we tend to look either too far back or too far forward, or we tend to look at just in the moment. And we, and 
we don't have the wherewithal to make proper decisions when we do that. We need to have data. And that's why journaling can help. That's why looking at your calendar three weeks in advance. Then you have data. Oh, Mondays are normally free. Wednesdays, my kids are never in school. Saturdays normally when I hang out with my family. Sundays when I go to church. Well, what if you made Sunday family day? Well, but I don't just hang out with my family. Okay, make it community day and your family is part of your community. Like you, you can really hone in and make this personal, but you have to take the time to do it and you can do it in stages. Maybe you, you start off with one theme day or one theme month. You Then you add it bit by bit rather than try to do it all at once. Because when you, know, when you try to do it all at once, the rate of failure, the likelihood of failure is much, much higher because it just won't stick. You'll be over, you'll be overwhelmed trying to get rid of your overwhelm, which is weird, but it happens. And it, it, so when I work with clients, that's what I kind of walk them through. And that's why I don't believe that, that's why I call it time crafting. Crafting isn't something that you just do and it's done. Like you hone your craft, you get better at it. It's a practice like meditation or anything else. Like money, you're never going to just say, okay, money, there it is and leave it at that. You're going to take care of it. You're going to invest it. Time is no different. In fact, I would bet, I would even say that time is more valuable because you can't earn it back. It's gone. That's it. So you want to invest it wisely. And the only way you can invest it wisely is by planning, having a strategy in place. So I was reading a Seth Godin article who, again, his pieces are short, but sweet and they nail it. And he said, he had this thing. He talked about tactics and strategies and he said, strategies are for the long haul. Tactics are temporary. Tactics are fluid. So when I talk to people about this, I say, look, here's a framework. Theming your time is a really great strategy. How you theme your time, whether you use like daily themes, horizontal themes, weekly sprints, like whatever you use. And I talk about a lot of this on my website. That's a tactic. But the strategy of theming your time can work, right? Same thing with journaling. Journaling is a great strategy. How you approach it, are you going to do bullet points? Are you going to tell a story? Are you going to use photos? Are you going to use a written journal? Are you going to use a analog, digital journal? Like those are all tactics, which is why I say frameworks foster freedom and focus on the app within, not so much an app like Asana or Trello or whatever, because those come and go. You go to those with a framework, you're going to be much better off. If you go into using an app or a tool, expecting it to do the work for you, you will be very, very disappointed. You have mentioned journaling a lot, and I used to journal actually many years ago. I'm not doing it right now. So what is it about journaling that helps people to be more productive? So journaling adds context to what's going on in your life. So for example, you can look at your calendar. Like I can look at my calendar today and say, hey, I talked to Sigrun on her podcast. I could see that, right? from the. But I could say, you know what, man, you know, she color coordinates on point. I love the the way that, like, I can write that down in my journal entry. That's a story. I'm seeing, like, you know, I had a great chat with her. And we had a great time talking. Can't wait to, do, by the way, I've got to build that URL that I'm going to share. I've got to do all that stuff. That's the story. If you just look at your calendar, you only get the content, which is, I met with you. This is what I did on that day. When you want to foster awareness and you want to be able to be more productive, you need to not just look to where you're going, but you need to look to where you've been. And the calendar only provides you quantitative data, not qualitative data, right? When we were at the Upreneur Summit, I went back to my my hotel room and I journaled every single night. And there were things that went in that journal that would not have shown up like, you know, in, in the mastermind, I could say, oh, you know, we had a great, you know, llamas. Remember we talked about llamas? Like that went in my journal, right? 
And I talked about that, you know, and I talked about being on stage when I announced that I'm rebranding and my hand shaking and stuff like that and things like like that. I know that I was at the Upreneur Summit, but by looking at my journal, I'll know what happened. I'll know how I felt. And that's really valuable. I was watching a documentary a couple weeks ago as we're recording this about Gary Shandling, the comedian. Again, me loving comedy. I love it. It was an HBO documentary. It was four and a half hours long. So it was divided into two parts. And Judd Apatow, the film comedic filmmaker, put it together. Gary Shandling, from the age of 26 till 66, journaled. Handwritten journals. Like a treasure chest of them. And Apatow went through all of them. And you can see, you know, his journey. You can see how he felt about the Tonight Show situation. He, you could see how he felt about why, like Gary Shandling had this great innate ability to just quit things when he felt that they were done. I don't think he would have been able to do that if he didn't chronicle his thoughts along the way. And I think that chronicling your life, and that's one of the things I talk about is like chronicling. I think it's important because, like I said, it gives you some qualitative data to work with. If you look back in your journal entries and say, I really want to write a book, and you keep looking back and you say, well, I'm not making progress on the book. Now, you're like, what the hell's wrong with me? Do I really want to write this book? Am I in it? Like, you see that stuff. And I'm sure, like, as we're talking about this now, you're probably thinking, yeah, you know what? When I wrote in my oh, journal, no. there were some great things that were there that now I'm missing out on. And it doesn't, you don't have to make it an essay. One of my journal, when I presented at Tropical Think Tank, I showed what one of my journal entries was. It said, still have writer's block. That was my entire journal entry. So the act of actually being consistent with a journal entry was so much more important to me than what went in it. And what went in it was perfect. Still have writer's block. So therefore, I couldn't write a journal entry and I was pissed off that I had writer's block. And the next day, I think the journal entry had a lot more foul language in it. But eventually, I worked through it. And then that next journal entry where I finally broke through was like, oh, it was just, it just flowed out of me. And it's the other great thing about it is it's the thing you could start right now. Like out of, when I talk about time crafting, people go, I don't know how to theme my days. I even talk about capturing things differently. And I talk about, you know, again, planning your year and all that stuff. But literally, the thing you could start right as soon as you're done listening to this or watching this is you can write in a journal. You've done it before. In grade school, we had to journal. I mean, you kept a journal. So you know you could literally stop today and go, all right, I'm going to write a journal. And then you just have to do it consistently. So out of all the things, it's going to give you a lot of information, especially the more you, the more you invest in it, like in terms of what you're willing to put in it. Because there's things in my journal that I won't, I mean, I don't want people to read until I'm dead, right? Like, you know, there's things I talk about. But you write it. You no, no, no. I use, right? I, use a, I use an app. Uh, it's called Day One for the Mac. And there's ones for Android called Journey as well, which is really good. The reason I use the, the app is I do it at the end of the day and I'm tired. So I'll either voice, vo I'll recite it. So I'll dictate it or I'll type it. But what I also do is I put a photo. And I've actually, what I do now is I will take photos throughout the day, which everyone does. I don't get like people take photos. And then I use an app called layout, which is normally for Instagram. And I will add all the photos that I think are relevant. And then I'll put that at the top of my journal entry because you're allowed to do like day one get and you can do this in Evernote too. It does, I mean, there's so many apps that allow you to do this. And then I use those photos as triggers. So therefore, if I'm stuck on what I'm going to journal about, like last night's journal entry was about that quote that Seth Godin talked about. Um, my daughter was doing a uh, assignment where she had to draw her in modern times and her in Egyptian times. And the journal entry wasn't so much about that, but it was she says she sucks at drawing. And I showed her other artists that drew very similarly to her. I'm like, 
it's a subjective thing. Like you may not like drawing, which is different, but you don't suck at it. Art is very subjective. That went in my journal. What else went in my journal? Oh, I watched a um, video about John Cena, the wrestler, and he talked about what his day was like. And I said, this is something that I think I want to do for my members and my membership as we build the membership. I want to do interviews with people. When I do my regular podcast interview, then I want to do like the bonus episode will be like, tell me Steve Dotto in a day. Like, what is your day look like? Like I go, that'd be awesome. So all that went in my journal. So then when I go back and review it and I do, when I do my biweekly, what I call a rapid review, the benefit is I can look back two weeks and see all of the stories from those days. So instead of taking, and this is one of the big downfalls of a lot of productivity methodologies, is that when you sit down to do a review, you're looking at a lot of information all at once. You're empty, you know, like David Allen's getting things done, great methodology, but I can talk to tons of people and, and, and that use it. And they say the one thing they always don't do is the review because it's just so big. But if you're journaling every day, you're like you're, it's like you're doing a mini review every single day. So you don't have, you, you're able to look at this stuff. So I'm able to look back and go, oh, you know what? I didn't capture in my task app that I want to build this new type of podcast. Let me do that now, right? So there's so much value to it. And all it takes is as the popular journaling app and handwritten journal says five minutes. If you could take 0.3% of your day, because that's what five minutes is, I think it's even less than that. You can surely spare that much time out of your day to just write because you are worth it. And that's what it's for. Ultimately, I don't journal for anybody else but me. I don't journal for anybody else it's but me. It's just for you. Just for me. Yeah. And you do it at the end of the day. Yep, I do it. You could do it in the morning. You could do it in the evening. Like I'm a night owl. So I find that for me, if I don't do it at the end of the day, my brain will keep like I won't be able to get to sleep. Whereas morning people need to do it in the morning because they want to, they call it like morning pages, Julie Cameron, the artist way, like people will do it then. I like to do it in the evening. And then what part of my journaling process is I will then identify my three tasks that I definitely want to tackle the next day. And again, the great thing is like tonight's journal entry is going to be, okay, tomorrow is Thursday. What is Thursday? Thursday's training day. Okay. What are the three tasks that I definitely want to get to tomorrow that are part of my training? Oh, well, Tightening is the monthly theme. I want to continue to develop my coaching training program for people. So that's something I'm going to work on. Oh, and I have to send some accountability emails to other clients. So it's just part of the whole workflow. And just by adding that one element that anybody can do in any app or in any, you could do it on the back of a napkin for crying out loud. It creates a better connection with you. And in order to move forward, like I talked about, this is a way of slowing down. Because you're with your thoughts. So even though it doesn't feel like you're slowing down, you are. It makes absolute sense. I think people just make it too complicated. Like you need another app or need another book or you need the bullet journal or you need that. But ultimately, it's anything. It could be a Word document for that matter. Well, then that's just it. When people say I can't do it, I'm like, are you on like the Facebook argument gets them every time, gets them every time because people will jump on Facebook and talk about whatever, or they'll jump on Instagram. Like if you're using social media and sharing things on social media to others, then surely you can take some of that time and share your thoughts with yourself. If you can't do that, then it's going to be a real uphill battle for you when you want to start investing your time properly. Because again, your intentions, you're not able to really connect with them as well. And then further to that, if you can't pay attention to something like that for five minutes, it's going to be really hard for me to say, to tell you, hey, you know what? Focus on your low energy tasks right now. What are, what are you going to pay attention to? And if I can start people there, and that's what that's normally where I start people with, 
the benefits are are amazing. In fact, what I do is when I'm coaching people is we don't I don't even say you should start journaling. I say um, we go through our normal like theming your time and I, I figure out where they need to go. And I say, and you know what, just at the end of every day, just write down how it went for you. Like, so I don't even like classify it. And then I'm like, so how was that? Right. I'm like, yeah, it felt really good. I'm like, you know, you've been keeping a journal, right? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like you actually have some, and I'm like, keep that up. And so it's, it's, I like kind of tricked them again, a bit of a shock where they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. Remember I told you that journaling was part of it. And I didn't tell you to journal. I said, just write down how it is. Like you've been journaling. Like I kind of tricked you into doing it. And I know it's a very un-Canadian thing for me to do, to be underhanded like that. But sometimes you got to do stuff like that. But it again, it, this does not have to be complicated. This is very simple. It doesn't mean it's easy because there's lots of things going on, but it does not have to be complicated. We like to get in our own way in so many different ways. We have that part of our brain that likes to keep us from doing the things that we really want to do. It's that part of our brain that just wants to survive. But if you want to thrive, you've got to present obstacles to that part of your brain that says, oh, I don't really feel like doing that right now. Well, yeah, but today's Friday and Friday's deep work day. Yeah, but what deep work am I going to work on? Well, it's tightening. So what kind of, let me look at that. And eventually that part of your brain, that that primitive part of your brain, the you know, it eventually gives up. It will always try to find a way back in, by the way. It will always battle you. But like, oh, you don't have time or, oh, you're sick. Well, yeah, like I was sick for the past. I told you this. I've been sick for the past three weeks. So when I looked at my task list, I wasn't focused on the monthly theme as much because my brain goes, you can't tighten anything right now because you're, you're, I mean, the only thing to tighten about you right now is your chest cold. I'm like, okay, but I feel like crap. So what's my low energy tasks? So I'm going to look at all my audio low energy tasks. And a lot of that stuff was just super simple. And that part of my brain went, fine, do it. And then I got all that stuff done. And then I was able to be done. And I felt like there's nothing better than when you feel terrible and you're sick or you have low energy to be able to be productive and know you did the right things and didn't overwhelm yourself or tax yourself or make you feel worse because you tackled the wrong things. And you feel so good because you you prepared. You said, ha ha, you know, I did it. I gave myself a way to move things forward even when my body was not at its best. I now know, like, because some people, brain dead would be the, the tag they'd use. Like, what are the brain dead tasks I can do? Or what are the shallow work or low energy? You can be very personal about it. And again, for me, a low energy task might be to send emails, but for you, that might be a high energy task. So again, it's very personal. But the great thing is, is that you get to define what this is. And when you when you start to define your day, theme your time, funnel your focus, then you can make every moment matter. I don't say every minute because minutes very quantitative. I think moments are what you want because no one says, oh, this was a momentous occasion. They say momentous occasion, right? When you hear moments, momentous and, and moments, there's a quality behind it. You want to hear more about it. But when you say, oh, yeah, this is going to take five minutes, there's not really a lot to it, right? Minutes are, are very quantitative. Moments are very qualitative. And productivity ultimately is about a good blend of, hey, how can I get the right quantity of work done? When I say the right, I mean not just the amount, but what is making up that quantity? And then how can I feel good about it? Is it going to pay off, you know, in, in terms of, ROI in terms of dividends? Is it going to give me the best impact? Is this the stuff I should be doing or should I be passing it off to somebody else? Like you and I are both tightening our businesses right now, which means we're going to be throwing a lot of that lack of qualitative stuff out. The stuff we've probably been doing because it feels like it's, oh, look, we're, we're it's, it's productive. Nah, it's not. There are things that we just don't need to do. 
And I think ultimately what you want to have happen in these situations is you want to have a framework in place that is as foolproof as possible. And again, it's a strategy and then you just play with the tactics. That's been absolutely fantastic, Mike. And I know it's a lot, eh? That's why I've been having <laughs> this love- tea. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's- now another swig. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely loved talking to you. I think you have just inspired me to get back to journaling after a 15-year break or so. You know, and then I bet you have inspired a lot of the people who will listen and watch this episode later on. We will link in the show notes to your website and to your podcast and any other links you have for us. Mike, it's been a pleasure. We will surely meet soon again because we attend the same <laughs> conferences. And uh, yeah, we're due to see each other in like yeah, I think we're due to see each other in a couple months. I think I think I think it'll be around June or, or whatever. So yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Sigrun, for having me. I really appreciate it. And, and again. You don't have to do everything all at once. I think that's the big thing. The big misconception is people say if they take on a time management system, they feel like they have to do it all. That's such a bad idea. If you do a little bit, if you do one and you start adding it bit by bit by bit, you're going to see incremental increases, which is what you want. I think ultimately that's what we want to do. Thank you, Mike, for being on the show. Thanks so much. To learn more about Mike Wardy, go to sigrun.com forward slash 179. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.